Supply Posse. I'm dropping in before this episode to let you know about some behind-the-scenes things. The cost of making the podcast has increased significantly during the past few months. Podcast hosting fees, domain name fees, recording and editing expenses have all gone up. We have moved to different services, however, they still require payment for use. A really good thing to come of this change to different services is that they now provide a really high quality level of audio, which makes your listening experience so much better. We do have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash artsupplyposse, but right now it doesn't cover our expenses. So we were wondering... If we were to provide you with some PayPal details or perhaps buy me a coffee details, would you be interested in making a one-off payment to support us? In return, you'd be helping to keep the podcast going and would also get access to our bonus episodes. Let me know what you think via kim at artsupplyposse.com or via Instagram. Hi, Art Supply Posse. Today's guest, Gary Mills, was introduced to me through his work with the Crafty Monkeys, which Rachel of the Crafty Crafty Monkeys featured back in episode 160. Now, after hearing all about him and, of course, you know, doing some little online stalking, I guess, or maybe stalking's not the right word, but anyhow, that's the word I just used, (laughs) I had to invite him here to join us into the posse because I wanted to know more and I'm sure you want to know more too. So, hello, Gary. Thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the Art Supply Posse. Hello, Kim. Oh, do you know, I'm just chuckling to myself. I love the idea of having a stalker. I've never had a stalker before, so you could be my first stalker, Kim. Okay. It's official. <laughs> I'll run with it. Why not? <laughs> I mean, you know, all I've been doing is watching your art and on and YouTube and Instagram and all that, but, hey, that, that's stalking. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. It's stalking. It's just a healthy interest. Yes. You know, and looking at what I'm doing there, I just think that's really nice. And I know that, you know, apart from yourself, there's a lot of other people that are now sort of following my pathway and what I'm doing in, in my creative life, you know, so that's lovely. Well, and, and it is the lovely thing, like, you know, you, you're working with Crafty Monkeys, obviously, but there is so much more to you than that one aspect. And I, I myself, I love it when I come across somebody who I was introduced to from something else, you know, work they've done with something else, collaboration or whatever that might be, and then you suddenly find yourself sort of diving into this this person and their work and and honestly, I mean, it's fantastic, but it could also just like I could literally just spend hours doing it and that is both a good thing and a bad thing, I guess. Um <laughs> But it's just, I don't know, I find it so interesting to learn about other people, their art practices, why they make art, why they do what they do, why they're drawn to it and why they love it. And that's kind of all I'm trying to do, you know, just bring more people to the table and inspire more people to create. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, funny you said that about, you know, there's, you saw, you found me through Crafty Monkeys, but that is just one little sort of like if you think of a sort of shining diamond of creativity. That's just one little facet of my my yes. creativity. You know, yes. yes, and we can talk a little bit about the crafty monkeys. But you know, I thought about this morning when I got up this morning, thinking, well, you know, I know that you want to know. Well, what? Who am I? What I'm about? And I'm about so many things. I I if I'd said versatile, I'm just so versatile in my creativity. So 
if to say pinpoint me down to just one practice in that creative field, I'd be stuck. Yeah. Really, you know, my field is from, you know, I do mixed media art. Um, I only at the weekend we were doing um, textiles dye workshops. So I'm really interested in eco dyeing, natural dyeing. Um, I come from, um, I was trained to be a fashion designer. So I really enjoy my fashion. I teach people to do that. So um, I just, anything creative. Yeah. I really enjoy and I'm interested in. It's not a soup for me. It's not a superficial approach. It's just like, oh, my God, there's another little creative thing going on over there. I must find out about it. I want to take part in it. I want to do it. And that's what, you know, that is me. So it is. I am a versatile creative and I have many facets and outcomes to that to just express that creativity. I think that's why I have I'm so drawn to you and your work and I know just lately I've found other artists similar to you in that that regards because myself personally I have over the over time been told you know you should focus on one thing and only do one thing and I get bored like if I had to just do one if everything else got taken away from me and I had one thing I it done I might as well not make art at all because I would be so bored with it. And it is so nice to know because I think art can be like a lot of creative things. Like it can be, it can be like, well, not lonely, lonely is not the right word, but like you do it, you do it alone quite often. So when with the power of the internet, because that's <laughs> what it's giving us, we have that ability to see other people that create similarly to us in terms of, like you, I do lots of different things and I know I'm not the only one. It's it's so empowering to know that it's okay to not just focus on one thing. Exactly. You know, you say about the internet. I mean, before the internet really sort of come along as a, as a creative or a, a way of viewing things, we had books and magazines. And I was a real collector of lovely creative books, people that have written books or especially with imagery. I mean, I think we're really informed by imagery rather than just the word. And so you'd see creative ideas in books and I'd buy those books or I'd get them out from the library. Then I'd subscribe to certain magazines that sort of like, um, you know, that would again show how to or people's creative work in them. Um, sort of a magazines that inspire. Mm. And now we've got this, we've got this internet where we can then just go around a much vaster area and just quickly we can see images so most of us communicate first of all with an image on our social media rather than the word and then we might you know we put a few sort of like sentences underneath maybe a description or what the practice is or how we've gone about it but actually the first bit of communication and the inspiration comes from that image that we see as we flick through our social media and I just think it just opens up ideas globally and um, to everyone that's in that connection you know we're just looking to say oh that's inspiring me that's giving me a really really good idea or I feel oh they're working like me I feel you know sometimes I find someone that works very similar to me and thinking oh I'm not just the only one that's on this sort of like this sort of um, creative path they're doing that as well and they're doing it like me and it's not so and when I see that I find that as a I find it quite comforting because sometimes you can, like you say, you can be on your own in a studio or in a little room um, at the kitchen table being doing whatever your practice is. And it can be quite isolating. But when you see other people do it, I think it almost like reassures you or it gives you the confidence to like carry on. Um, yeah. That's how I feel anyway. You know, it's, it's validating, I guess, too. Right. Like especially if 
which, again, with the beauty of the internet, so many people would be considered self-taught artists. Like, you know, sure, they probably played with art materials at school, at primary school or whatever when they were younger, but then a lot of so many people now, and, you know, you can be astounded at the quality of work some people are putting out that they've simply taught themselves to do. And it's it's amazing yes. and, and it's it's just it is just incredible to think that because of the internet there is so much more creativity, so much more going on that may not have may yeah. not have happened before. No, and I mean traditionally, I mean where I came from, I went I took myself back to art school. I'd always done art I mean we all do art at school. And yeah. again that can be make or break time because you either got an art teacher that really um inspires you or encourages you. Or you have an art teacher that's like, no, that's not good enough and I want that better. And then sometimes that can put some people off. I meet many people that come, you know, to my workshops and that that were put off of art at school, even though they really got this creative bug inside them because they were told, well, that's really not any good. Well, it doesn't, it's not about how good you are. It's about how you've expressed yourself. Um, have you had a go? Um, have you, um, expanded upon one idea rather than perhaps that traditional, like we must draw or mark make like a photograph? Well, my idea today is like, well, we've got so easy access to take photos. Let's just take the photos. But then when we're working with our own hands and we're expressing, let's take it a little bit more abstract. Let's make it freer. Let's not get tied up that it's got to represent an actual, like a, like a photograph, like the actual image. So mm. there's the art school route, um, and that's good and bad. But there's also, like you say, we're on the internet. And so therefore, there's a lot of how-to out there. There's a lot of, like, you might think, well, I'm quite interested in this practice. And you bet you'll find someone there on the internet that is doing that practice and quite happy to share or show you a snippet of how you go about it. So that can then inspire you to think, oh, I like this process. I like this practice. I like the outcomes. I'm going to have a go. Now, my philosophy is if it doesn't quite work out well, at least you had a go. But some of the essence of that might go towards something else that you want to do. And so it's I just think it's a really nice platform, the Internet, to actually for creative people to actually expand on their practice, really. Yeah, absolutely. So so stepping back a little bit, you, you did touch on it that, you know, creativity has always been a part of your life. Where, how did that start for you? Like where where did you go from being just Gary Mills to being Gary Mills, the creative, the artist. How how did that sort of come to being? Do you know, I just, I think for, mes- for myself, and this isn't for everybody, but for myself, it's almost like I came into this world as a, as a creative. And my, you know, if my mum was still alive now, she would tell you from like crawling toddler how I would want to, just make and I would um they were all there was always you know back in those days back in the 60s late 60s early 70s you know your mothers and your grandparents still made things they still rather than just went out and purchased it they made it so for them there was bits of cloth there was scissors there, they would be sewing they would be knitting um and I'd want to have a go and so they just pass it to me and I'm a twin so I have a, and I have a twin sister and she would be, you know, and there was those sort of like, um, you know, she would have the dolls. I'd maybe have an action man or something like that. But I must actually admit, my, my, I think actually my grandparents were very open minded because then I said, I want a doll. I didn't want a doll to play dolls, play happy families, putting it to bed, making a Wendy house. I wanted this figure because I wanted to wrap the doll in fabric. 
And so they were quite happy. Yeah, if Gary wants a doll, buy him a doll. So it was, it was actually the first doll that really like a full, almost like a sort of a, a, a womanly figure type doll rather than a baby doll. It was, um, she was called, she was designed by Mary Quant and she was called Daisy. And, um, and I can remember just getting fabrics, cutting holes to push the arms through, getting some more fabric to like wrap it around the waist to then start making a, it shaped to the waist and like a skirt. And gradually over time, my parents, my mum, my grandparents, um, my, especially my nans, they could see that I had this aptitude to want to design and create for the body. And so they started to show me how to sew. And, you know, I was bought a first sewing machine, but alongside all this, you know, garment making and designing, I also wanted to draw as well. So I was like, I can remember this is always, it's very traditional at the weekend on a Saturday, Saturday in the afternoon, uh, we all had to go to bed because my parents and my nans and my aunts and uncles would all get together on a Saturday night quite late and they would, everyone would get drink from the off license and there'd be music and chatter and everything like that. But my parents always allowed us to stay up. If you want to stay up, you stay up, but you need to have a sleep in the afternoon because otherwise you're going to be grouchy. So we were all sent off to bed, but I wouldn't sleep. I would be like wide awake. Like, why do I want to go to bed in the afternoon? So I would secretly in my bedroom, not too much of a secret because I would show them afterwards, but I would just draw. I'd be, everyone's gone to bed, have an afternoon sleep, but I'm not sleeping. I'm drawing. And so that was the, the art bit of my, of my growing up and everything like that. And, you know, over time, even into my teens, you know, I was, because we'd moved by that point, we'd moved from the, um, from lo the London area to out into the country, to the sort of the southwest of the country. Um, and in fact, my parents bought a hotel. They moved down to the coast and they bought a hotel to run with the grandparents, with the aunt and uncle and the cousins. They all invested in this rather nice size hotel. But of course, it was really, really busy. And, um, so they were busy. I, was really interested in clothes, still interested in fashion. But I mean, I, you might know, but there, London and still is was the fashion hub of the of the country. And being, you know, brought up there, I was always keen on clothes. I could get the clothes that I wanted to. I could be in fashion. Moving out to the countryside, down to the coast, there wasn't those shops available. So I started just making my own clothes. I started just designing, drawing them, looking on the magazines, the pop magazines, like, yes, I've got to have that type of pair of trousers. And I just would put it together, just start making it. So I started then sort of getting into my teens to making clothes. Um, I had a very keen interest in cookery because we were obviously in the mm -hmm. catering industry. And um, so I was more interested in decorating cakes, which again was the sort of like the creativity in me. I was like making themed cakes and things like that. And I just loved that process. And it's a bit like, you know, using modeling paste. And it's, it's again, it's a hands-on practice. So they thought, well, maybe a career for you, Gary, would be to, you know, to continue in catering and, and take some qualifications in that. So when I sort of got to the sort towards the sort of the end of like when you've got to make choices at school, I decided to go on uh, a catering course, which I did. And I wouldn't say that I was 100 percent committed. And uh, but I went through it and I did three years in, in catering. In fact, it was catering management. And by uh, I think I was about 21, yeah. 22, I was I was qualified enough to actually go into the catering industry. And actually, I, I started off in catering management in um, like factories and uh, leisure centres and, and places like that. And it was it was OK, but I 
I wasn't expressing myself creativity, my creativity. I mean, at that point, catering, when you're at that level, a lot of it is um, catering would be from freezer to microwave to the deep fat fryer. And I was just thinking, this is not creative for me. This is not what I thought would be a creative outcome. And in fact, perhaps I needed to be in that situation because, you know, when sometimes when you're pushed, pushed into a situation, it makes you think and it makes you do something to sort of like almost like think, well, I need to change this. This isn't really working for me. So um, I put myself back as it was actually it was an evening class um, and it yeah. was to do it was called fast track. It was called yeah. an access course. No. And um, it was access run. And I don't know if you have with you A-levels. Do you have A-levels, what we call A-levels here? It's sort of like it's you um, You take your A-levels, which is a, a higher certificate rather than your basic school certificate. So you then go on to do round about when you're 18, you do your A-levels. So um, and I decided it was a sort of an evening class, which was it was to get your creativity back. But you could run this qualification alongside. It was just for a year. and. Oh, my God. My, uh, no, my world. No, they're different. They're different here. They're different. Right. OK. So um, but it was just, you know, imagine like an evening class that just sort of like you go one day a week, uh, one evening a week and you learn art things. But I met other creative people. Again, they some of them more mature than me. I mean, I was only about 22 at the time. Some of them were, you know, more mature than me. And they would gone back to just really just to repractice or go back to perhaps Again, a lost, a lost opportunity, which yep. I saw it as. Maybe I had the opportunity when I was at school, but I didn't really take that pathway. I took another pathway and I, I'd gone down a dead end. So I carried on working in catering, but I just got into this art. I just, any opportunity that I had, I'd go back to the, the college, which had where I was doing this um, A-level and they were very good. It was sort of like an open door policy. And, you know, oh, if you want to use that facility, this facility, you can. And I did. I took all my spare time. I went back up to the college and I would be in the print room. I'd be maybe um, looking at the ceramics and I'd be fiddling around. And they just knew me. Oh, Gary's here again. He's only paying for one evening a week, but he's here nearly every day. And um, it was just it was absolutely it really opened my mind up. And then so. People started to take notice of me there and I had, and it was two tutors and um, it was, funnily enough, her name was Kim and her husband was called Gary and on separate occasions, not together. And I don't think they'd even spoke about me, but they passed through. They'd see me working away in the um, in the print room and they say, oh, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing like this? And then they say, well, you know. You know, you could you could perhaps now would would you like to do a foundation in art and design? Oh, right. And I said and they both said the same thing. They were both almost like sort of like um, headhunting new students for the next year, academic year coming in. And I gave them both the same answer. I said, well, I'd love to, but I'm working full time and I've got a mortgage because by that point I bought a small little cottage um, just where I was working in the town. And um, and I sort of committed myself to that. So I'd sort of almost financially committed myself to carry on working full time. But I wanted to do the creativity as a part time thing and sort of fit it in. So they said, well, you you seem to be here nearly every day. So there must be. You could just carry on the same, do your full time work. But when you've got spare time, come up to the college and follow this foundation course. So um, 
there was either there was two directions. There was either what they called um, a textile textiles based direction for the foundation, or um, more fine art. So I took the textiles um, direction, though though it was textiles, you still had a formative um, lessons in drawing, life drawing, um, the print workshop, uh, model making, 3D. You did all of that and you started off the year just having a little taster of everything. And then as the year developed, you would then take it more towards what they called your specialism, which would be textiles. And mine then became textiles stroke fashion because I really can. And then I found that myself again I found oh I could start designing for the body and I started because I was in an art school I started wearing my um, trendy clothes again and making clothes and I was with other young people that were doing similar and so it sort of again that opened that up to me and I've just you know I'm just taking it as it comes I'm not even thinking about is there a future to this because my future was well I'm, st I'm stuck in catering I'm running that leisure center I'm paying the mortgage this is what this is my lot you know this is my lot in life but I'm okay I'm okay anyway the tutor then Kim who was Kim was the one who did the textiles and the fashion Kim said to me well really you know you should think about doing a degree you know do your degree in uh, fashion textiles mm -hmm. and so I was like again the same answer come out how am I going to do that Kim I've got a job I've got a mortgage you know so well actually an hour drive away is a college that has a university program through, um, you know, validated that does fashion and textiles. Why don't you have a look at that? So I did, applied, got the place. I thought, right, okay, I'll, I'm just going to do it. So how that then took on was I um, would drive one hour down, do go to college, come back, look, check what shift I was on. So my shifts would be either like four o'clock till eleven o'clock at night. Or if I was working at weekends, I could do like eight o'clock to about three, four o'clock. So how I worked my shifts was I did um, during the week, I would always take my two days off in the middle of the week. So I had two full days at college and then I could do like a sort of almost like a little extended than half a day. But I'd have to get down there at the college. And I, I managed to get to do my university. I managed to get nearly in full time. Um, and carry on working. How I found the energy to do it backwards and forwards and doing the two things, but I did. And I think just a, a, a sort of stop off point here for a moment is that when you're really engaged and you're really enjoying it, you find the energy, <laughs> you find the time, you, you can do it. I wasn't committed in a relationship or anything like that. And I think though when you're young and, you know, in your twenties, oh, I would love to just be in a relationship, but actually no, that would have been, yeah. like, that would have been a distraction. And luckily for me, it, well, I didn't, I just continued at uh, this, uh, doing my university degree. I was just going to say the other the other helpful thing is you were younger and we just have a lot more energy. <laughs> we did, yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, so I just going back. So I was just so I I did my three years then a university degree came out with a really good degree um, and qualification and then of course then I've got that so then I'm back at the at uh, the leisure centre and I'm, uh, you know, continuing working, thinking, well, I've sort of landed, but I don't really know what I'm going to do next. And so the the lecturer from the foundation, Kim, said, mm -hmm. came, popped in and said, well, what are you going to do now, Gary? What are you going to do now? Now you've got your degree because we kept in touch. And in fact, you know, Kim, she's only um, about eight years older than me. You know, oh. so well, there's not that much of an age difference. So um, you imagine like your lecturer being that sort of couple of generations away or a generation away. No, she wasn't. She was only eight years um, 
older than me. And Kim said to me, well, what are you going to do? So I said, well, I'd really like to set up myself like a fashion label. But, you know, I'm here, blah, blah, blah. Same old scenario. I've got the mortgage to pay. Blah, blah, blah. She said, why don't you come and live in my attic? Literally, she had a large Georgian house, large several rooms in the attic. She said, I need a housekeeper. I've got a small child. I want to work full time. You can cook. You can, you know, you're really good at sorting all that out. So that's the payback. You can have the top of the house, you your own house, rent it out so that covers your mortgage. You don't have to worry financially that there's any money any money coming in, and then just look after us. And on you know, and obviously she was creative, so she could keep an eye on what my creativity and support me and give me feedback and everything like that. So I literally started my own design fashion business um, in her attic, and um, within for probably uh, 14, 18 months, I was generating enough income from design work that I then could then hire a studio, rent out a studio, and then move back to my little cottage. And really, I mean, I said, we're still keeping touch. And that's how the whole journey started. So then, you know, I had my own fashion house, um, designing one-off couture pieces, um, and uh, I had a shop with a studio at the back. So your clients would come to me, we'd sit, we'd chat. I would do drawings while we're talking, ask questions. Then they'd go away. Then I'd finish the drawing. I'd do fabric swatches and they'd come back and i say, right, this is what I think would look really great on you. And then we would go through the whole design, uh, uh, the developing the design process, which is create a toile. The toile is a mock-up made in calico. And then if that fits nice, then they can see the silhouette is looking good. Then we take it through to final fabric and out the door sort of like then it's finished and um it was lovely and I did that for quite a few years again keeping in contact always keeping my contact my creative supportees those people that had supported me through the college like Kim but then there was an um another few people that had supported me when I was at university you know my lecturer Steve Langford um a great wealth of um design and fashion and just creativity uh, experience behind him you know he was always keeping in contact with me and he said you know oh, would you pop back a few times and just see the the new students and explain your journey help them with their journey would you do some drawing with them some illustration work which I did you know I was quite happy to give back what I had been given mm-hmm. and you know that paid off because Steve came to me and I had remember I had been established the business, the design business and everything like that. And Steve said, Oh, I'd like to take you out for for supper. I want to go to you're gonna come out to supper with me. I've got something I need to discuss with you. So oh this sounds exciting. This is so we went for supper. Um uh he said, Gary, I've got to tell you, I'm going to retire. Um it's about time I need to retire. I've got to retire. And he said, but I want you to run the degree programs for the university. So the fashion degree program. So I thought, wow, wow. That is such an honor to think that, you know, that they, he thought I was good enough to be able to step into his shoes of this, that the degree that he had established and with all his contacts that he wanted me to take on when he retired. So, you know, I thought about it and, you know, with the, you know, regular income, the holidays, just Mm -hmm. the, the kudos and everything. I said, yes, I'd do it. So, and I always, you know, and I thought, well, if it doesn't work out, I've always got my creativity. You know, you can't, I haven't sold that and I can always set up a business again or do something else. So, um, obviously the answer was yes. And then, so then I started off as just, um, head of 
running the fashion degree program. But then as time goes by, you then take on the fashion textiles program, the interior design program, the surface design program. And it just, you know, and I, first giving yourself just one or two years and then see what happens. I was there full time for 10 years. And over that time, you know, my responsibility grew to, to the point where then I'm, um, being approached to, will I write some new degree programs? Because obviously, you need to update your programs. You need to get them uh, re-looked at. They need to be current. They need to be industry-led. Um, so I started writing some new degrees, which were validated, okayed, and then we started to run new types of degrees and even sat on fine art, the fine art degree program as well so that we validated that. Because I had experience in running these other ones, I could help support people in the um, other areas of creativity. So, yeah. And that's that's really the my creative journey until, you know, in 2017 after, you know, well, actually, I um, from part time to full time, it was 17 years. So for seven years, it was just part time. And then after that seven years, that's when I was asked, would I take on the program? And then in 2017, you know, I was just at that point. I'd written these degree programs. I was overseeing other degree programs. I was um, what they called um, uh, an advanced practitioner, which meant that I went and saw other practitioners in art and design and sat with them, discussed how they they taught, um, watched them and said, actually, if you did it this way, it might be it might help you, might help the students. Um, but I was go and I enjoyed that. But then I was what was happening was I was going to meetings. It was like, Gary, you've got to come to this meeting. OK, what's the meeting about? It's about a meeting. Well, I'm going to a meeting about a meeting. Yes. So, and this, you know, this is actually when you get up within education, this is the sort of thing that happens. You know, you just mm -hmm. sat in meetings, discussing things. And and so I thought, hang on a minute. You know, I have now gone. I've slightly gone above this creativity. I'm, this isn't this isn't creative for me. You know, this is just discussing policy, um, uh, you know, that sort of thing that and politics and finance and just like, well, hang on, this isn't, this is not what I'm about. You know, mm. I'm more than capable of doing it. And I had all the knowledge to be able to support it, but though this didn't make me sing inside. So I made the decision that 2017, I would resign. And I did, and I just, you know, and I wanted to leave it really nice. And so, you know, I said, you know, after all this time, it is my time now to start moving on to my next section, my next branch, my next avenue in my creative life. And, um, but I will help support you. I'll put everything in place ready for when I leave, which is what I did. And, um, yeah, so that's sort of to the point where sort of I am now, you know, where I have my own studio. I run very small, intimate workshops um at the moment because I, I i now just do it in this large studio where i'm now um probably about five to six people at a time which is nice they come to the what i call the studio garden which is at the back of my house the studio is at the bottom of the garden it's a, a brick built beautiful studio and we do those things which i really enjoy I, you know this year actually i sat down on the settee and thought what do i want to do and i wrote this list and i looked on the internet at all these people that really inspire me and i thought i want to try a bit of that and i want to try a bit of that and so if I want to try it, I know other people do. And so what I do is I just, I, I do it first of all, I try out, I sample it, and then I take photographs of it and I then put it out onto my 
either my social media or, or my newsletter. And then people then come and join me both physically so they can come to if they live locally or even if they there's places to stay in the area because I'm down on the coast again, they can stay locally and come and join my workshops or when well, we must discuss crafty monkeys in a minute but you know i can do it online i can do my workshops now thanks really i have to say thanks to covid and making me get off my ass and think actually how can i do some other way of showing people how to be creative and that started me on the journey with crafty monkeys i think it, i think that covid the whole awfulness of it does have upsides uh, you know and it kind of feels a little bit awkward saying that but you know we have so many people have been forced to reassess their lives and how they're doing things and why they're doing things and part of that it may not necessarily be a career change but it's simply the realization that oh my goodness I miss being creative how can I bring creativity into my life they find people such as yourself with with online workshops and things and suddenly they're doing that thing that maybe just three or four years ago they just missed but didn't know how to bring into their lives didn't know how to access it because really at that point then so in that point pre-covid say up until 2020 we were just we were doing more it was the physical workshop so Mm. you were either hiring village halls where people could go and you're really you're working with the local demographic then so, yeah. but I mean, obviously there was residential. So I would, I was, um, one of the, I was one of the lecturers for we here in the, and I don't know if you have this in Australia, the WI. Do you have the WI? No. The WI is called the Women's Institute and it's been going low, hundreds, hundred years or so. Um, for, it might be a bit less than a hundred years, but, um, I don't know the history of it, but it's actually, it's like a women's group that were just, they wanted to get together. They were doing, they did creative things, but also they would do, um, help with causes. They would go to lectures. Um, it was a, it was an opportunity for women just really just to get together and support each other. And they usually have like a meeting once a week. But there was um, a residential place um, up in Oxford, um, which was a beautiful grand mansion, which then was donated to the WI to be as an education centre. And I would go there to this education centre and do my thing and get all these lovely ladies to come and join um into the classes and so you know that was the type of thing that we were doing up until that point and there was other there's other groups and institutions around the country here where <laughs> not just for women but for groups of you know men and women can come and do you know like the evening classes but it's a residential and you go to, to discover your creativity but you stay over or you stay in accommodation nearby and that was all happening and that was lovely. That was, that was suited me fine, you know, and I could, um, both join in and go to classes, but also I could teach the classes as well and, and do all that. But then, of course, as we know, like we just discussed, you know, COVID came along and I can remember, and I think if you scroll right to the bottom of maybe, I think it's on my, um, might be on my Instagram page. I made one video. I'd never, never made a video in my life i didn't actually to be quite honest up till probably just a few months before we went into full lockdown in uh, march 2020 i just had a phone that just would text and i could call on and i just upgraded to this what they called a smartphone and i was a bit wary of it and thinking oh well okay i've just got to go with the flow i had this this phone and i knew i had a video you know application in it and i'd and it was getting to the point, and I think this was no matter where you are in the world and the countries, 
it was getting a bit hot and it was um, the governments were saying, you know, we're going to have most likely have to shut down. Um, you need to keep yourself safe. You need to not be in crowds, not meet up with other people. You need to start being on your own. And I had to, I was going I was waiting to do an art class outside um, of, of a hall. And I'm waiting for the people to come and unlock me. But previous to that, I'd had several phone calls of classes being cancelled. And they were just like, these classes were just like shutting down. No, people are cancelling. People aren't coming. We haven't got the numbers. We can't afford to hire the hall. We're shutting down. And I was just saying, oh, gosh, you know, what the hell's happening? You know, um, but not just that I didn't have the classes. I was more worried about, I was thinking about the people, you know, like, I know that when you get together in a in an artistic group, it's about the social act interactivity. You're, you know, as we've discussed, you're looking at what they're doing, you're talking, you're chatting. It's a very social thing. I'm just thinking, if we're going to shut down and everyone's going to stay indoors, what are we going to do? What? How are we going to, you know, be creative? And so I made this sort of like I just made this video, put it on, and I just said, you know what, I. I, and I'd got and I'd got almost exasperated because I'd gone shopping and I couldn't buy any pasta because everyone had gone crazy and bought the pasta. I couldn't buy any toilet rolls because they bought all the toilet rolls. And I just said almost to this screen, right, everybody, if you've got all the pasta, you've got all the toilet rolls. I'm going to show you how to get creative with pasta and how you can create 101 ways to fold your toilet paper. And I just put it out. <laughs> and um, and people and I put it, I think I put it on my uh, Instagram and I put it on my Facebook page. And people then said, oh, my God, Gary, you are so funny. You know, you've really made me laugh. And and I said, you know, I'm going to get together with other people and I'm going to show you, you know, some things you can do online. You know what we can do if we if we've got to be shut in for so many months with, you know, not seeing anyone. I said, right, I'm going to I'm going to create something for you. And I was good to my words. And I thought, right, I am going to film some projects and I'm going to think about what can we do if we are shut indoors and we can't go to the shops, we can't buy any art equipment, we've got nothing, right? Most of us have got scraps of paper or at least got a printer which has got copy paper in it. Most of us have got a jar of coffee in the cupboard. I'll show you how to make some really strong ink with coffee and we can do some mark making. We cut that mark making up. We do collage and do a series of activities. And it's not just for you. If you've got children in the house, they can join in also. And I put that up on my YouTube. Well, it's, I think, was it 5,000 views, something like that? It's just got, it's just mad, you know, and it was free to view. And I had people writing to me, say, Gary, you helped me through this most difficult time. It kept the kids entertained. I could just put it on. And we all made these things from just stuff we found at home. And again, so that, that was the start of a journey. If I hadn't been pushed into a corner and I hadn't got my, my rag up and thinking, right, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to make sure that something happens. I would never be on Crafty Monkeys because they saw that video. And then Rachel from Crafty Monkeys approached me and said, Gary, will you be part of the team? Will you come on to Crafty Monkeys and be part of the team? And again, that's a whole new chapter that started from that moment. Well, it, it's, a, it's a lovely thing because you've taken, you've taken all that creativity that you've had since the day you were born and you've taken all that teaching experience and now you're doing it exactly how you want to do it, when you want to do it, without any of the rest of the stuff, you know, the politics and all that that comes with working for someone else. It's it's all on your terms. It is. 
It is absolutely. It's like, yeah. Um, and actually, yeah, I mean, actually you've seen that much clearer than actually sometimes that I do. Sometimes you can get sort of like bogged down with different things or get, keeping everything going. But in fact, it is, it is down to me. I've got no one saying, you know, we want results from this or we want, um, you know, what's the finance package behind this or anything. It's not. It's just like, I'm just putting creative stuff out there and a hundred, most of the time, I'm not making any money from it because, you know, if you look, if you follow, <coughs> apart from the Crafty Monkeys um, uh, sort of pay to view videos and the ticket you can come along or you can download um, um, maybe one of my patterns or um, a, a past recording, which yeah, obviously you paid for that. But me and Rachel are now doing the YouTube um, Crafty Monkeys free YouTube tea time tutorials on a Friday. And that's almost going back to where I started on this sort of like um, internet sort of journey where I'm putting free creative um, content out there for anyone to start to take part in. I mean, I don't know, Kim, if you've seen the one, but the most funniest one or the fun one to do is when you we just put marbles in a, in a cup of ink and run the marbles in a tray across paper. And then we start creating and, and coloring in that paper. That, again, it's just and it's so accessible to everyone. And it just means that people can then start getting creative, find their creative mojos, which some of them are hidden and buried or been put to bed. They, I want to get those, that creativity out in people again. So yes, we do some really simple exercises, but it also opens you up to start thinking, well, actually, I might try this. I might try a little bit of watercolor or I might try doing some, um, sort of collage work and move on from there. So if it just opens, a spark of an idea in you that's that's what we're actually doing with our tea time tutorials we're also introducing a lot of this mindful practice because i think what what obviously what as all of us creatives out there realize is that drawing doodling anything from from knitting to working with clay any of that you are absorbed and while you're absorbed in your creative practice you're not necessarily sat there worrying about other things about life about finances about your health about other people's health health politics you are just absorbed in your creative little bubble and if you can go into that bubble i think that's much healthier for you than sat there worrying all the time about things on the outside world that really you can't do anything about so that's one of the key elements of our tea time tutorials it's always a little bit of mindful practice about um, easy, accessible art practice that, again, takes you into that lovely um, uh, sort of bubble of creativity. So, um, yeah, that's where that is. And it's just and it's absolutely free to watch. You don't have to watch it live because we always record it. And so, therefore, you can just download it on the Crafty Monkeys um, YouTube site and watch it from there. And um, I think we've got up to now there's 40 different arts and textile and craft little mini mini projects to do so they're all out there for everybody so um yeah go and have a go the thing i love as as an observer so somebody who has spoken to you now and i've spoken to rachel as well so but I, i'm separated out from from that world of the, the two of you have i can see over the videos that I've watched, and I haven't watched them all, but I've I've dived in and you know watched a, a relatively decent amount of them. I've seen Rachel 
at the beginning, certainly not feeling particularly confident in her ability as a creative, as an artist, and she said that during our conversation, to now where hopefully she certainly is seeing what I'm seeing, which is uh, her skills have expanded. You know, she it looks like watching her now, she looks like she's so much more confident, so much more uh, skilled, and that comes from that weekly chatting with you, the, the weekly working with you, but also your encouragement, like you're passing on what you know, what you know works because you've, you know, you've provided that to so many other students and, and now she's getting that benefit too, which tells me that viewers who do watch week after week and, and, and play around with what you're, what you're teaching, they'd be getting that too. Yes. Um, it's funny, isn't it? Uh, and she, Rachel said um, how she's starting to feel much more confident about mark making, about choices of colours, application of, of your media. And, you know, these sort of conversations and uh, imparting knowledge and teaching, um, it sort of happens through the, through the whatever project or the, ever the example that I'm showing. And so I might bring in a little bit of colour theory and I say, oh, Rachel, you're using blue. Now, if you put a bit of orange next to that blue, that's really going to pop because in colour theory, that's its opposite colour. Mm. And so we can bring that in as well. Even the application of like wet media and I'm you know, sort of saying, you know, we can look at wax resist. You know, if we put wet media over a sort of like, if we just draw with a wax candle, first of all, and then we put some wet media over the top, that's going to resist it and that's going to give you a certain sort of texture to your paper. We look at wetting the paper, first of all, before we even then put some watercolour or wet media on it as well. We've used inks, we use anything to hand, pencils, felt tips, stuff like that, and just explore that and what it can do. Now, you can't get that done in just one lesson. It takes time. So that's how it has happened with Rachel. She has developed by me just giving her little prompts or just observing what she's doing. I'm doing it. She copies. Then she's going now. She's going without the prompts. She's bringing bits of bits of equipment or bits of materials in as we're doing the project. And suddenly oh, I look across on the screen of what Rachel's doing and she's moved on. She's felt the confidence. I'm going to pick up that colour. I'm going to pick up that pencil and I'm going to make this mark now. And so isn't that lovely to see? And that's how I think as a teacher, that is what you want to happen because unfortunately what you do is with the teacher, you give them all the knowledge and as much, but the confidence to go off on their own, almost like that you can now fly. Mm -hmm. But you, you know, as a teacher, you're always there. You never give up on your students. You never like, right, that's it. I'm walking away. I don't want to hear anything more about you. You hover in the background, ready for that time when the student comes back and say, oh, look what I've done. What do you think? And that's, that is, wow, that is the reward of being a teacher. Definitely. So, where to next do you think for uh, for yourself as a creative and and as as a as a teacher as well like what do you have any plans is there any sort of anything you're working towards or are you just taking it all as it comes i uh, um i t yeah all of that taking it as it comes <laughs> because i think if you <laughs> because then you allow opportunities to come in if you keep the door open those opportunities will come if you shut the door they're not so I, I will see and observe and look at what's happening. Um, I have to be careful that I don't say yes to everything because sometimes I can run myself quite thin. So I have to sort of 
now, uh, you know, I'm starting to think, no, that doesn't work for me, or that might take a lot of time. And what, you know, do I need to do I need to invest that time in that area? So that's the sort of things that are going through my mind. But I am open to any opportunities or anything that comes along. What am I doing? I'm going to continue with I like the idea of um, the variety within my work. So there will always be a textile element. I still want to explore the fashion. I want, in fact, I have to confess, I haven't made myself any garments or clothes for quite a few years now. And I've been a bit lazy on that. I've been, very, no, very lazy. I've been going to like our discount, you know, we've got something called, we've got Primark. And it's so easy to go into Primark and get a t-shirt and a pair of shorts. And, you know, you've hardly spent much money at all. And I need to start creating clothes for myself again. I think I, I'm, I, that, I'm mature enough and I don't care what I wear anymore. And I think I need, I don't want to get dowdy and look, you know, now I'm getting into my sort of mid to late fifties. I don't want to look. I don't want to look mid to late fifties. I don't want to look like <laughs> I don't want to look like a young teenager, no. But I want to find a, 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 an area where I look trendy. I look creative in my clothing. So I'm yeah. gonna. That's what I'm gonna look at. So watch this space. I'll put it up on my Instagram. If I, the first thing I want to make is some really. I want to make some lovely big Oxford bags for myself. Maybe because we're for myself at the moment we're in the summertime here so i think i have a nice linen pair of oxford bags quite high-waisted something you can wear might sort of jeer up with some trendy trainers and a casual top i don't know but i will do it um my just my art the other side of my art practice i'm really exploring my mixed media so i'm going to do much more where i live um there's a, a lovely friend that me and her go out just sketching in the countryside and then we i bring it back and then I'm going to play around with some of those. And so there's some nice sort of mixed media collage with drawing over the top, just putting a crayon through it, maybe put some washer colour and just exploring that. And not think that for that, I'm not going to think it's got to become a lesson. It's got to become a workshop. This might be a completely, that area of me, completely self-indulgent. And it doesn't matter if I don't sell the work. It's just that I want to explore it. It probably will sell. And people can, you know, come into my my studio and buy stuff, you know, from mm. the gallery and things. So it probably will. But I just I think we mustn't get het up on it's got to become something um, financial or to be able to sell. So we do art because we enjoy art. As long as you appreciate it, you might find that someone else come along. And go, Oh, my God, I really love that. And they might say, can I buy it? And um, but then, you know, that that is that's something I want to do. And um, and at the moment. I'm just, which I've been a bit lazy about, is um, I'm going to, literally, literally today, um, I, I'm going to work in conjunction with someone to develop a little bit of a website. So there's all these facets of the diamond that is me, I'm going to have on this website. So you can click onto the little, like the gallery, you can click onto the shop, you can click onto workshops, you can click onto studio and the garden. And, and also, you can click onto recipes because everyone says, Gary, you still cook amazing. So can we have that recipe? So mm -hmm. that will still be there. I won't give that up. Well, that's, that's exciting. And I look forward to the progress uh, of, and, the, and, the, and the changes and things to come. Just, just as a final point, what would you say to somebody who has listened, they're inspired after listening to this episode, they just need just that final push of encouragement? Never listen to your critics. Don't listen to your critics. Listen to your heart. And if you want to be creative, then you just go for it. Don't care what people say, you know, and just do it. And and because 
you will you'll then fulfill what you're supposed to be doing. Don't. It's so easy to get down that rabbit hole. We think you're no good, or I, I'm not creative. You are. Everyone's creative. It's just that you've never had the opportunity, or perhaps tried the the avenue that is going to work from you. So you need to try lots of things, have a go, and then you might really land on something that you really felt, wow, I'm really expressing myself with this. So, Gary, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, where's the best place to find for people to find you online? Oh, right. I love it. Well, I've loved this. Um, really enjoyed having the chat. Um, and, yeah, if you want to find me, you can go to Gary Mills Designs at um, Instagram. Um, you can go to, if you if you like to Facebook, Facebook, go to Exmoor Inspired rather than my name. If you go, if you just do my name, that's my private account. But if you go to Exmoor Inspired on Facebook, you can just get in for free. You know, you don't have to ask for permission. But yes, uh, two platforms. If you're going to YouTube, so there's Gary Mills Designs YouTube, where you'll find where I've mentioned about, you know, drawing with coffee. There's a few other things in there as well. Mm -hmm. And then if you go to Crafty Monkeys YouTube, so Crafty Monkeys is spelled M-O-N-K-I-E-S, Crafty Monkeys YouTube, then you've got all those um, projects and the mindfulness and the tea time tutorials that we've been putting out there for free. Just remember, put your thumb, say you like, put your thumbs up because the more people put thumbs up, that generates the um, algorithm to get out there so that everyone, more and more people get to see what we're doing. So um, please do that. That'd be great. Thank you. And also subscribe. Hit that subscribe button because that helps you as well. It certainly does. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> no worries. Thank you so much, Gary. You're welcome. Bye-bye.